Well, when he said, turn in your Bibles to John 16, we hadn't heard those words since November 12th, right? Because uh, we're in a study through John, but we pause there to go into the th- to go into Thanksgiving, the Advent season. Um, we, we wrapped up that you know, church calendar season last week. I hope a number of you were here uh, with something uh, like we did at Christmas Eve, a bit of an ancient church tradition. We did an examine. We did it together. You know, it's, it's, we, we adapted the daily examine and we made it an annual examine. Uh, I, Eric and Emily led it here in the round. Uh, I was at Brentwood uh, with Paige Stroop there. We led it there in the round as well. And I loved it. You know, I know it was tough with kids a little bit to, to, to do that, but, you know, in it, we, we stopped right there at the beginning of the year and we paused to look back. We paused to look inward. What's going on? How have I responded? And then we said, and how will I respond moving forward? And we did it around these three categories. Through every joy, every sorrow, and every concern. And we looked forward doing it in such a way to say, how will I address those, walk in those more deeply with Christ? And I think in this way, it serves as a really nice intro, like an introduction to our text today. Because we're standing here, we've got 358 days in front of us, you all, in this coming year. And we'd love to say, wouldn't we, and there's gonna be 358 days of joy. (laughs) Well, there's gonna be 358 days of joy joy, sorrows, and concerns. It's like the trinity of life in a fallen planet and a fallen body. And how we move through those, you see, because those are inseparable from life. But how we move through those has everything to do with, uh, I'm gonna say it a number of different ways, but with the nature of our faith, with the condition of our faith. It has to do with the health of our faith how we move through this. And what we find in this small, this is nice because we've got just this small text we're covering today in our study. We find Jesus here in the upper room. Uh, These are his final words, you know, to to his disciples. You could say he's been waiting all the whole three years of ministry with them to give them these final words. The weight of these words is profound. We'll get into the high priestly prayer over the next five weeks. What he says right here at the back end of 16 has everything to do with faith, belief. What must we understand about it to move through joys, sorrows, and concerns? Um, If you don't get anything else this morning, I wanna make a statement here that really holds the message and it would simply be this. Our faith, is always in progress, in need of growth and deepening. And Jesus will see that that happens. <laughs> Rob, when he started, you know, taught the first part of this passage, we're not covering it, but he covered it last time he taught. Now I'm picking up this part, but he said in there, when the disciples started following Jesus, they didn't know who they were following, y'all. They, they had no faith. And it's just, you know, it was gradually growing and developing. And yes, faith has a moment. There's a moment of belief, okay? That, that, that matters, that's significant. But, but I'll stand by what I just said. But, but that mo- while that moment of belief matters, faith is more than that because faith is that which is continually progressing and growing and deepening. I want you to see it 
as a pretext to our text. Look at verse 28. You have your Bibles open. Look at verse 28. Rob covered this. Jesus said, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plain. And Rob said this. It was like, aha, okay, finally, we get it. It was a moment of belief. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you on this. This is why we believe. That's <laughs> why we have faith. You came from the Father, that you came from God. But note 20, uh, verse 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? And so we see even here, you know, they make a statement of faith. They believe, but Jesus is, is pressing into the fact that, well, it is, but it's an incomplete faith. It's, it's a growing faith. It's a, it's, a, it's a deepening faith. And so we're gonna take these three verses, really it's the two verses, 32 and 33. I'm gonna do something a little different. It's, it's so short, I wanna do it this way. I wanna give you five statements that Jesus makes. Five promises, five statements about faith that press into us as it presses into them on the nature of faith and how faith deepens. So five statements with each, with the five sentences, and I'll just read a little section as we cover it. They'll be on the screen. So here's the first thing Jesus says. Jesus says their faith will falter. It's the first thing. Jesus says their faith will falter. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Now, understand this is not what they were thinking was gonna happen. It's not what they were expecting would happen to them. And the truth of the matter is they all cut and run. You know, we think of Peter as the one who denies Jesus and he does. You know, Peter, Peter didn't expect to, to, to deny him. Jesus says, you're gonna deny me three times before the, the cock crows. We often kind of put that on Peter and think the other disciples, you know, are different, but actually Peter's representative of the whole. Matthew tells us when God strikes the shepherd, all the sheep will flee. Jesus quotes the Old Testament passage. And when when things unfold, y'all, things are getting ready to unfold. Not unfold, I should say. Things are getting ready to unravel. Um, All the disciples flee. They all go to, you know, protect themselves. Jesus tells them it's gonna happen before it happens. Hey, your faith will falter. Now we're gonna say some other things that that we're so grateful he says in relation to that. But I just wanna tell you, we're on the edge of 2024. In 2024, your faith will falter. You will not trust Christ perfectly. You won't do that in 25, 26, 27, because it's, our faith is is not about perfecting faith. I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you what Jesus is telling the disciples. He doesn't say this as an excuse for sin. He says because he knows that faith's not about perfection. It's about growth, progress, deepening of faith. Genuine faith falters but never fails. You know, when you think about a child learning to walk, how many of us would look at an infant who's up and down, who falls more than they take steps and go, you're such a failure. Every time you fall, you're a failure. No, no, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we understand in that context that falling 
is a part of walking, <laughs> learning to walk. I think it's really no different for you and I, you all. I don't care where you are in your faith, where you'd put yourself in the strength of your, I don't, it doesn't matter. You'll falter. And point number two, Jesus says their faltering faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purposes and plans. Their faltering faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purposes and plans. I don't wanna overstate that, but I think you understand what I'm saying here. The disciples desert him in his hour of greatest need. He says, the father is still with me and, and the father, in, his father is with him and he will therefore go to the cross even as it has been purposed and planned from before time has begun. A few weeks ago, Rob drew out that point in verse 27 when he said, he said, for the Father himself loves me. Jesus is speaking to them saying, you guys, you gotta understand the Father loves me. Jesus understood the, the perfection and fullness and wholeness, security of the Father's love. And Jesus is going to the cross in order that they, us, can experience that very same security in the love of the Father. They leave him alone. The father would, cannot, will not. The ultimate purposes of God, Christ to the cross to redeem us, to secure for us what we can never secure for ourselves. It's never in threat, you all. It was, it was never in threat and his purposes even now till the end of time are never, they're never at risk because of the faithfulness of God. Jesus says their faltering faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purposes and plans, which takes us to the third statement. They build upon each other. Because he went to the cross, number three, Jesus says there's the possibility of peace. There's the possibility of peace. I say possibility because the, the Greek tense here on this verb have is in the subjunctive. And, and I always say this to you guys because I want you to know this. I have to go read this. It's not like I'm so smart when I use the word, it's a subjunctive. I can't even break down an English sentence, much less a Greek one, you know, in, in so many ways. So I'm, I'm studying, you know, I'm reading, and, but it's in the subjective tense, which means this, it's a possibility, okay? There's another verb, we're gonna look at the same verb in a minute, that's indicative, which means it's a surety. We'll get to that in a minute. It's not the first time we've talked about peace. You know, we, we, we've been in John, Back in 1427, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, that doesn't sound familiar. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We noted that peace, it's the Old Testament word shalom. It's the New Testament arene. It, it is so much more than the absence of conflict. We've stopped fighting. We're at peace. No, you've just stopped fighting. Biblical peace carries the idea of fullness, wholeness, completion. It's way more than just the absence of conflict. It is the idea of everything as God intends it to be. Everything as God intends it to be. And when we understand that as biblical peace, I think we can go back and go, well, nothing in this world can secure that for me. Nothing, nothing. I mean, maybe you have to live a little longer to know money won't do it. 
fame won't do it. Success won't do it. Girlfriend, boyfriend won't do it. Marriage won't do it. Children won't bring it. Grandchildren can't bring it. I could go on and on and on. There's nothing that can bring that peace but Christ himself. Which is why, don't miss that he says that in me, you may have peace. In me. Here's where we come to understand why this peace is, in a sense, a possibility. Now, this is where I'm gonna do a little Bible theology for us, okay? We've done this many times, but we need to keep this always in mind. It requires that we understand our salvation in the fullest biblical sense of salvation, when, when, when we understand salvation, when you put your faith in Christ, when you trust that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, and that he did it for you, and you go, I believe Jesus. Well, you are, you are born again. You are, the, the spirit indwells you. Christ indwells you. You're in Christ. You are, you are saved. <laughs> You're secure in Christ. You, you, you have eternal life, and it begins right now because you are now in right relationship with God the Father. That's salvation. But understand, when the Bible unpacks that salvation, and when theologians understand and, and take apart that salvation as the Bible describes it, we see that salvation is... There's three parts to salvation. So there's salvation, that's the overarching word here, salvation. But under that, there's justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification. And all three of those are salvation. The moment you put your trust in Christ and believe, you are justified, declared righteous because you're clothed in Christ's righteousness. You are justified. Nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. Nothing diminishes it. One day when you die or Christ returns, you will be glorified. You cannot separate justification from glorification. You will be glorified. That is, we'll see Christ just as he is. It means we'll be like him fully, completely. Justification, glorification. In between the time you believe in Christ and the time you see him face to face is this process we call sanctification. If you know Jesus today, just let me tell you, this is where you are. You're in sanctification. It's that process by which we do what we do. <laughs> we learn about Jesus. We understand more fully how to trust him. And over time, Christ is, for, Paul speaks of this, Christ is formed in us. What does it mean? It means we act more like Jesus. We look more like Jesus. We sound more like, we become more like Christ. Never fully and completely will we get to that perfection of Christ until glorification. But it's during this time of being sanctified, may I say this, that you may have peace. Well, you may not experience that peace in your sanctification because at times, you know what we do? We sin. We break our fellowship, not our relationship with God, but we rebel against God. We sin. We don't experience that peace. And so the possibility of peace is rooted, and I use that word intentionally because I'm taking us back to John 14, as we abide in Christ, the vine. Let me use terminology that's familiar to us because we've been studying it. Life is in the vine. And Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me, You'll have life. You'll bear much fruit. Let me tell you what's flowing through the vine. Life. 
peace, wholeness, satisfaction, joy. This is Christ is the vine. And we experience it as we abide in the vine. Well, what do you mean abide in the vine? Rest in the vine. Trust. Depend upon the vine for life, not my own will and my own strength. Are you with me on that? It's abiding. We experience that peace. Fourth, Jesus says there's no escaping trouble in the world. Now, this is just, you know, one of the most helpful statements I ever heard, a dear friend said to a group of us when we were just in the weeds, struggling, and he said, you guys need to fall in love with reality. That's all this statement is, just fall in love with reality. Jesus says there's no escaping trouble in the world. There's no escaping trouble in this world. We're on the edge of 2024, we're looking out ahead. It's not gonna be all joy. There will be sorrow. There will be concerns. Because that's life in a fallen planet and a fallen body. Where tribulation is, let me tell you, it's, it's more than a flat tire or traffic. It's that which robs, robs us of that peace. It's as God, it is as God intends. I can experience a measure of that peace deeply. It's all that comes against it. It's that which would crush you and rob you of that. And then finally, Jesus says this. I'm gonna hit the fifth one. These will be up there on the screen. We're gonna talk about them in a moment. He says, we can have courage because he has overcome the world. When he says, uh, take heart, that, that literally translates in the Greek, be encouraged, be strengthened, be inspired with confidence. Because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. When he says, I've overcome the world, he's speaking of all the forces of spiritual darkness. He's speaking of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's speaking of all that which comes against God's purposes and plans for the world, for your life and my life. Jesus says, I've overcome them. At the very center of that overcoming, let's just say this, we know this, at the very center of that is the cross, his burial and resurrection. That's at the very center of it all. That the enemies of God, right, proclaim victory at the cross, he's dead. God himself vindicates Jesus' sinless life by bringing him forth from that grave to live forever. And at that moment, God and the kingdom of God says, he's alive, (laughs) he's overcome. No, death didn't overcome him. He overcame death by death. He did it for us. His victory is our own because we're in him. Just close your Bibles and look up at the screen for a moment. We're gonna sit with these statements. And I believe with all my heart, God in his grace and providence, in this tiny little passage, he's got something on this screen that he's saying to you. If you'll believe it, trust is true. 
I thought of, when I was doing this message, I thought about, it kind of just came to me and I trust the spirit in this. It, I thought, how would Paul address us in this passage? What would Paul say about these things? He, didn't, he wasn't in the room when Jesus said this, but trust me, he believed this because he understood this. And if there was ever a human being, I would say, who, who suffered tribulation in the world, and there, there are many millions, of course, but certainly we have the record of Paul's life. I mean, the guy's beaten, stoned, he's rejected. He, he just go through, he went through a, a very hard life. How would, what would he say when the world's overcoming him, it seems, overcoming the purposes of God? Well, there's a story in Acts 27. Paul is older. He's, he's now a prisoner of Rome and they're, send, they're, they're, they're sending him to Rome. And the only way he's gonna get there is by boat. And then he's on a boat. Boat gets to a place called Fairhaven. And there at Fairhaven, uh, the, the season for traveling on the seas to Rome has come to an end. It would be like, it would be like you want to take a cruise, but they said, look, we don't do cruises because it's hurricane season now. This is what he's facing. Look, Paul, we, the captain says, we can't go because the weather has turned and we, we're gonna stay, you know, we, or, or Paul said, don't go because the weather has changed. The captain, I guess, from a military order standpoint, says, no, we're gonna go. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna go. And they do, because they get a calm day. A calm day. <laughs> and then the storm hits. And you know, it, it was so bad. They're throwing things overboard. That, you know, they think they're all gonna die. You read the story again in Acts 27. They did something that I think is just kind of crazy, but th- they would do this in those days. They, it was so bad and the ship was being beaten so badly, they sent ropes over the edge and they, they would pull the rope under the boat, you know, and like tie a bow, like tie ropes around the boat. Like, let's just hold the boat together, you know, as so we can survive. It was one night during the peak of this storm, an angel comes to Paul. And he says to Paul, don't be afraid, Paul. God has determined that you will get to Rome. He's also granted that all those on this ship will also survive the storm. So Paul, the next day, speaking to them in this horrible situation, and I just, I just, I think I went to this because I love the way he says this. He says, take heart, men, for I have faith in God it will be exactly as I have said. So he tells them, this is what God told me. This is gonna happen. You're gonna survive. I just love the way he said, I have faith in God. It will be exactly as I have been told. And I think that's at the heart of this. This is at the heart of faith. Faith in Jesus is the progressive courageous confidence that it will be exactly as Jesus says it will be. And here's what he says. It will be. I want you to sit in this for a moment and invite the worship team to come back out as you sit with these statements. And and I'm gonna say this to you not, not diminishing anything, but if I may, your faith is not as robust as you may think it is. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Jesus, Jesus says, your faith's not as robust. He's saying to them, your faith's not as robust as 
You think it is, but Jesus says, my faithfulness to your redemption is far greater than you can ever imagine. You understand that? You, look, your face not as robust as you think. Your face not as strong as you think it is, but listen, my, my purposes for you and your redemption, it's way more secure, way stronger than you can ever imagine. Which one of these stands out to you? Trust the spirit to lead you. Sit with Jesus for a moment and say, Jesus, this is what I needed to hear. And read it to yourself, sit with it, and trust the Holy Spirit to help you believe it in the core of your being. Lord Jesus, as we stand here on the cusp of 2024, we step back into our study through John's gospel, we're struck immediately and powerfully, profoundly by your words to the disciples and to us here in the upper room. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and understand, yes, our faith will falter. But you remain faithful to your, for your, to your purposes your plans, both for our lives and for your kingdom. Thank you for the peace you've secured that is ours in abiding in you. It's not a peace that the world gives. No, it's, it's you and what you secure for us. You did not escape trouble in this world and neither will we but you overcame the world for us. Deepen these truths in our heart in the coming year such that, Lord, our faith would progressively become more courageous, confident, that it is always and will always be exactly as you say it will be. I want to invite you to take the communion elements. If you're new to fellowship, we, we took a break during Advent almost as a preparatory. It's almost a prep, you know, a, a preparing ourselves to come back to the table. We take the table each week. It's in the foyer as you walk in. If you missed it, you can slip out and grab it. But just know that if you've put your trust in Christ, you're welcome at his table. But this is our reminder of his great love for us in a very tangible way. 
take the bread out, take the cup, hold each in your hand, and I'm gonna invite everyone to go ahead and stand as well. And stand together, bread and cup in hand. Paul writes in Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as son. When the fullness of time had come, you know, we just celebrated, you know, the birth of Christ. So so if this is the birth of Christ, you know, we're 2,000 years removed, but in the fullness of time that Christ came. But that fullness of time, let me say to you, you know, began in eternity past, but in a historical timeline, in Genesis 3, God says there will be a male child born of a woman who will crush the serpent. That's Jesus. Thousands of years of waiting. Waiting on what? Waiting, trusting that God keeps his word. And in Christ, he does. And this is what we're mindful of week after week. Lord Jesus, for your body broken on our behalf, we say thank you. Receive the bread. And for your blood poured out, that is your life given. We are grateful. It was not the blood of bulls and goats that covered sin. Yours, Jesus, the blood of the so holy Son of God that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness, that satisfies forever God's wrath toward injustice and evil and sin. Your blood satisfies. It is ours by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Receive the cup. We did a quick greeting of one another, but I'm gonna have you do one more. I think it's appropriate for our text. You're gonna see a statement up on the screen. Take courage. We know it will be exactly as Jesus says. And so what I would like us to do, just again, to move beyond it being in our heads, but beginning to live it out in our lives, I'm just gonna have you turn to someone nearby you. Turn to a couple of people near you, and you're just gonna look at them and say, take courage. We know it will be exactly as Jesus said. Let's turn and speak those words to one another now. Would you do that?